Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is Palm Sunday, and uh, the story, of course, of Palm Sunday is Jesus rode into Jerusalem. They, they were blessing him. Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. And, and so we're thankful today for the sacrifice that Jesus made for our life, for our lives. And, and man, what a, what a Savior he is. Now, uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn uh, Genesis 45. We're going to read uh, two scriptures there, and then we'll jump over to 50 and 20. You can follow on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. Got some visitors with us this morning. We're glad to see our visitors in the house. Thank you for being with us today. We're so thankful you chose to come and worship with us today. So Genesis 45, 7 and 8, this is in the lifeline of Joseph in his story. And uh, Joseph is actually speaking to his brothers whom he has not seen for about 13 years. And he said, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. In verse 20 of chapter 50, he said, But as for you, speaking to his brothers again, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Today we're going to talk about beauty from brokenness. Beauty from brokenness. Let's pray together for the lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you today for your mercy and grace. Once again, God, for being so faithful to us. And now we just ask you to bless our hearts, to receive the word of God, to hear what the Spirit would say, that it would heal us, fix us, transform us, Whatever it needs to do today, God, that we might be closer to you and be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. What a, good, what a great God. Beauty from the broken. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Beauty from the broken. That could just basically sum up all of our lives. Because without him, we were broke. And I'm not talking about financially. <laughs> because you might be with him and still be broke. <laughs> Blessed are the poor. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes, it, it, sometimes it's like that. That's all right. Uh, your financial status does not matter to God. Neither does your social status or any of those things where you were born, raised, uh, he doesn't care about your skin color, what country you're raised in. He doesn't care what language you speak. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't care, you know, about those things. He loves you. And um, today, uh, we think about uh, this story of Joseph, how that um, God was merciful to Joseph in his life, and that's that's the thing. We serve a God of mercy. And, uh, and we think of that as, you know, mercy, and sometimes we, we think of that alongside of judgment, that um, 
You know, it's uh, almost like a legal term and it doesn't really, uh, we don't realize that it just, that mercy applies to us every day. That uh, the mercy of God is most and so often demonstrated by the plans that he has instituted for our lives. The thing about those plans is that we often don't know them or all of them. We don't see what God sees. God has plans for us. The scripture, we, we quote it many times. That the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has plans for us whether we know it or not. And guess what? God had a plan for you before you knew him. Yep. He, he didn't just all of a sudden sit down and have a brainstorm one day, say, you know, I think this is what I'll do. God knows the end from the beginning. He already sees what's going to happen. So God, this mercy that he has for us every day is often demonstrated uh, in the plans that he has for our lives uh, in spite of us, in spite of our past failures, flaws, our brokenness, uh, to use us and to use our story to impact somebody else, to bring beauty from the broken. The things that look like there is no fixing, God can fix. The things that look like they're so sick they cannot be well, God can heal. And things that look like they are dead and gone, he can resurrect. That's the God that you serve today. But the thing we have to remember is that in this, in these things that God is working and fixing and in the paths that he's leading us, we will determine oftentimes how successful that plan is. Because God will not just force a plan on us. He will lead us into that path. He'll sit and order things. But he does not take away our free will. He does not remove uh, our, our ability to choose which road to walk. He leaves that up to us. He asks that we trust him in whatever road he leads us on. And sometimes the road is smooth and sometimes it's not so smooth. Sometimes it's all uh, an easy downhill stroll and sometimes it's an uphill climb on the rough side of the mountain. Sometimes you feel like you're trying to scale and get to the summit of K2 and, and it's about to kill you. And, uh, but God knows that you can make it because he chose that path. He won't put you on a path that you can't walk. He won't put you on a path that will, um, by his plan, destroy you. Oftentimes we blow up his plan by us trying to uh, alternate the route and uh, decide on another way to go, but if we walk the walk that God has for us, if we walk the path that he has ordered, it will lead us sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death, but it also will lead us beside still waters, and it will lead us into green pastures, and it will lead us into a promised land. It may lead us into a place where there are battles. It may lead us into a place where we will fight for our life, but it will also lead us through the water, through the fire, into the blessings that God has for us, a land flowing with milk and honey. What we have to do is make this, uh, as Joseph, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, as Joseph had to do, uh, Joseph had to make the decision that he would surrender his past to God. You're going to have to make a decision when you come to him. Because we come and we pray 
for God to forgive us. We ask God to have mercy on us. And we ask God to work in our life. But to do that, we're going to have to surrender our past to God. We're going to have to trust him with everything that went wrong, everything that went sideways, everything that was broke, everything that uh, we messed up, everything that was done against us. We've got to trust God with our past. We have to surrender it to him and then allow him to make something beautiful from what was broken. We have to be able to let him work in our life. We, we, we can try to fix these things on our own, and there are steps that we should take. You know, if you've wronged somebody, ask for forgiveness. But it's going to take God to heal those deep-seated emotional wounds from years of heartache, years of wrongdoing, years of mistakes, years of bad choices, years of, of things done against you. It, it's going to take the Lord to move those things, and he will. And he, never, and he never said that you would forget them. He never said you wouldn't remember what happened, but he said you can live a life in spite of it. In, in John chapter 10, he said the, the thief, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I, I've, I've used this so often. I love this passage because, not because of that part, but because of what comes after it. In other words, the enemy can do all he wants to do. He can steal, he can kill, and he can destroy. He can do his absolute worst to me in my life because there is something else coming. Well, it was right after Jesus gave us that revelation, and, and it's a fact. If Jesus said it would happen, it's a fact. That's what the enemy comes to do. But he said, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He said, let the enemy do his worst and then just give it to me. Let him do all he wants to do and then just give all that mess to me and see if I won't make something beautiful. Come on, somebody. Just see if God won't take something that's destroyed and make something beautiful out of it. Mm. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, we uh, this week talking about him going to Calvary and what a what we talk about how beautiful that is, but it wasn't beautiful to behold. They destroyed his body. The scripture says he was marred more than any man. He they had they just destroyed his body. And out of all that destruction came this salvation that we have today. Well, let me tell you, it was cruel, it was unusual, but it was ordained of the Lord. And the Lord knew if I just walk it and won't try to veer off from it, if I just say, not my will, but thy will be done, I know on the other side of that cross there's going to be a resurrection. And I know there's going to be some people saved and, some, and this blood that spilled is going to wash away the, the black, ugly stain of sin on people's lives and make them white as snow. Oh, God can make something beautiful out of the broken. And, and, and you might feel like, well, I, I'm just too broke. You ain't never been so broke, God can't fix it. You ain't never been so lost that God can't find you. And you ain't never been so messed up that God can't correct it. God can do it. And, and that's the thing is, is uh, when uh, in the life of Joseph, we were, you know, we were talking about that, his, his story, how as a child uh, he had dreams that God gave him that he would be a ruler one day. His family didn't understand that. His brothers despised that. 
they, oh, like, are you kidding me? You're the youngest. You think we're going to bow down to you one day? So they began to despise Joseph, and they, they knew that their father loved him more than all of them, and he uh, just doted on Joseph. And so they really got bitterness in their heart against him. And, and what they did to him was that as he came to check on them in the field one day, they took him, and they said, now we'll see what will become of these dreams uh, we're going to intercede on this. We're going we're to interrupt his path. And they stripped off this coat of many colors that he had, threw him in a pit, devised a plan to convince their father that he was dead, sold him into slavery into Egypt. And then in Egypt, he became the servant of Potiphar. And while he was working in Potiphar's house, God was blessing him. And even there, uh, Potiphar's wife lied on him and had him cast into the dungeon and he stayed there. But even there, God blessed him and watched over him. And while he was there, uh, he, he interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh's butler. And he said, when you get out of here, remember me and bring me out of this place. But, but for a space of about two or three years, uh, the butler forgot about him and left him until Pharaoh had a dream and they needed somebody. And then one day, God called uh, Joseph quickly up out of the dungeon. Pharaoh uh, makes him just second in command uh, in Egypt. Nobody except Pharaoh was greater than Joseph. And this is where we pick up where um, Joseph is now. He is a ruler in Egypt. He has not known his family, seen his dad, had anything to do with his brothers. That, that life was completely ripped from his life. And yet God still had a plan. I wonder when Joseph was in, uh, when his brothers grabbed a hold of him and threw him in that pit, could he say, well, God, is this part of the plan and God don't say nothing? And when they yank him out and sell him off into slavery, God, is this part of the plan? God don't say nothing. And when he gets in that house and he's working, he says, well, maybe is this where I'm supposed to be, Lord? God don't say anything. He gets thrown in the dungeon. It, it, really, God, is this part of the plan? God don't say nothing. Because God don't have to tell you twice. When he says it once, it's established. And he just expects us to trust him. And so Joseph is there, and he's going through these things, and eventually uh, this famine comes into the land, and, and in his homeland, it gets bad. And his brothers uh, and their father, they realize we need, they have heard, well, there's corn in Egypt, so go to Egypt. But they don't know Joseph's there. And when, the, when they finally, after, after 13 years... They finally see Joseph. Joseph is now a man of about uh, 30, in his 30s probably, early 30s. He's a young man. He's in his prime, and he is not wearing a coat of many colors. He's wearing the finest garments of, of Egypt. He's decked out. He's a ruler, and uh, his clothing would reflect that. And so uh, when they see him, they don't know him, but when Joseph sees them, he knows them. And now we're going to see what 13 years did. Did it change them for the better or did it change them for the worse? And that's what you will decide when you uh, give your past to the Lord. Uh, is this going to change me for the better or is this going to change me for the worse? Or when I get on one of these roads that I don't understand where God's leading me, is it going to change me for the better or is it going to change me for the worse? When Joseph in our opening scripture, he said, it was God that sent me. You thought you were the one devising this scheme, but God put it in your heart to do this because God had to get me here. 
And so it hurt me and it broke me and it made me sad that my brothers would betray me and sell me and, and, and then pull me away from my father that I loved so much with no way to get back to him. And, and I just had to accept that now this is where I live. And, and then I'm doing my best to serve Potiphar and I get lied on and I get thrown. And it's just one catastrophe after another. But God had it all in order. And sometimes we look at our life and we wonder with all the, the mistakes and all the brokenness and all the things that go wrong uh, in our life as we're just trying to do our best. How can this possibly ever amount to anything? Just give it to God. If you'll take it and just give it to him, you'll see what God can do. He can take those things, that, those dark, twisted places that you were, and he can make it into something beautiful. He can take it and use it for his glory, for the kingdom of God. And that's what Joseph said. He said, it wasn't you that sent me here. Don't get the big head and think you had all this. You know, sometimes the enemy would like to think, I did this. But he don't do nothing that God don't let him do. You can just read the first couple of chapters of Job, and you'll find that out. Because he knows, I can't do anything to your people unless you move your hand, God. And so God has to pull the hedge back. And so don't ever let the enemy lie to you and say, look, what, look at the power I got over you. Because Jesus told us, he said, I've already given you power over all the power of the enemy. So don't ever let him trick you into believing that. And he said, and Joseph told him again, so you thought uh, evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring this to pass. He said, all this had to happen so I could be here to save much people alive. God has got a plan for your story. The mercy that God has on you every day, it ain't just for you, but it's for who you meet. It's for the first person you meet that day that you can show somebody, look what God has done in my life. It's so that you can go back to people that knew you when and they can know you now. And so you knew me when I was lost, you knew me when I was broke, but now you see me whole and you see me happy and you see me peaceful and you see me clean, you see me healed, you see me loose, you see me free because God can bring a blessing and beauty out of the broken. That's what God can do. Mm. God knows how to take what's meant for evil and turn it around for good. God does not give his people up to just be an instrument and a punching bag for the enemy or even for our own flesh. But we've got to make a decision. How will we respond to the path that God has put us on? You're going to have to deal with some stuff in this life. In 1 Peter 4 and 12, he said this. He said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't ever think, you know, if it's strange, you know, people think, well, uh, if you're very naive, you'll think, well, ain't nothing bad ever supposed to happen to God's people. Well, they was thrown in dens of lions. They was thrown in fiery furnaces. They were thrown in prison and locked up. They were beat with many stripes. They were stoned. I mean, you know, ain't nothing bad ever supposed to happen to God's people. That's where, that'll, that, that'll kill your walk quicker than anything. That, that, that's, a fool's, that's a fool's belief. But he said, don't think that this is strange. It's always been in God's hand. It ain't out of God's uh, uh, mind. God knows exactly what's going on. And, and I was just this morning, just 
as I was going over that scripture again, I thought, you know, let me just, let me look this word up, strange. And, and it does mean strange, like you would think, wow, that's strange. But it also, it comes from a word that means a guest. You know what a guest is? A guest is someone who stays for a while. If a guest stays too long, it's like, <clears throat> time to go. I got to go to bed. You know, it's like just, you ever have somebody come over and they just sit for a while and finally you just act like you fell asleep on the couch hoping they'll just get up and let themselves out. Man, you got to go. <laughs> you know, you've been here for 12 hours. It's, that's longer than a guest. Well, what he's saying here is, is this thing you're going through, why don't you treat it as a guest? You ain't staying forever. You, you're going to be here for a little while. We're going to interact for a little while, but then you got to go because you ain't staying forever. You're not becoming a resident. You're a guest. I'm not marrying you. You're a guest. Come on. We're not going in business together. You're a guest. And you're not going to stay here forever. Yeah, we ought to start treating that. Remember, you treat your past. It's, it's, it's gone. It was there for a little while. Now it's gone. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we have guests that we don't mind having back, but there's a lot of guests. Hope I don't see you again. <laughs> Come on and be honest. Why am I, gonna, I can't lie behind the pulpit. What you want me to say? It's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. So you, you got to treat that thing like a guest. Don't think it's strange because you're going through. Oh, man, start going to church. Man, got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, man, singing in the choir, teaching class, and, man, I'm getting hit left and right. So it sows everybody else. <laughs> you know that great cloud of witnesses? It's like a thundercloud. <laughs> it's, it's like a storm cloud. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it ain't no white, fluffy, whoo, little, little smiley face cloud. No, it's... <laughs> Dark, rumbling, thundering, because because they were stoned and sawn asunder and, and and burned at the stake and locked in prison and and chased about in the wilderness and locked up and man they were persecuted. That's a that's a great cloud of witnesses. But 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 he's showing you that with faith you get through it. When you trust God, you'll get through it. They didn't. Uh, they were. It said they were tortured and they wouldn't even accept deliverance because they knew that the end was better, and so they so they just endured it. Uh, Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it's just a guest. It works for us. So whatever you're going through is working on your behalf. It's, it's, it's not just working for you in the present, but it's laying up something for you. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's working for your now. It's making you better. It's helping you to trust God. It's going to help get you through. But it's also laying up something. It's laying up a treasure. That's why Paul said, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I, I stayed in there through all I went through because it worked. It wasn't just for me, but now all these people that have heard about what I went through and saw how I endured it and saw that I made it to the end, they'll know that if God did it for me, he can do it for them. Yep. That's why we, when we think about when Jesus was praying uh, before he ascended, he said, he said, Father, I'm not just praying for those that are here right now. He said, but I'm praying for all them that hear of me through them. He 
said, because they're going to go telling their stories. They're going to start telling people the things I did. They're going to start telling people the things that they went through and survived and endured. He wouldn't have said, and they that endure unto the end shall be saved if there wasn't going to be something to go through. There's going to be something for us to go through. And God is always bringing beauty up from the broken. But there's going to have to be some broken if there's going to be some beauty. If you're going to see the lame leap, somebody's got to be lame. If the blind's going to see, somebody's got to be blind. If the deaf's going to hear, somebody's got to be deaf. And if the dead's going to live, somebody's got to die. Friend, if, if we're going to put him to his word and trust him in what he does, we're going to have to go through it. Sometimes in saying, Lord, here I am, use me. Woo! Well, that's a good prayer to pray. But just understand what you just said. You don't get to say, uh, oh, but only use me like this. I need a, a sticker that says fragile, handle with care. <laughs> you know, don't, don't just be tossing me like the UPS man, Lord. You know, just uh, if you're going to use me, just be very gentle and easy. And he's like, have you not read my word? I'm a potter and you're the clay. Let me, let me stick that hand down there and, and just, just shredding stuff in your life. <laughs> Why? To make you the vessel that he wants you to be. So you can be used for the kingdom and used for the glory. Don't ever, hey, ain't nothing uglier than a lump of clay. But boy, in the hands of a master, he can turn. Go on YouTube and find a video and just watch somebody from start to finish. Watch it. It's incredible to watch. And you ought to because the scripture talks about a potter and clay. Get a visual of it. See what's going on. And then, and then all of a sudden think, that's what God's doing to me right now. I feel like I'm spinning out of control right now. But actually, I'm just on the wheel. And, and this is falling off my life. And this is falling off. And this, ooh, this just got messed up. And the Lord said, if it gets marred, he said, I'll just make it again. I'll just start over again. He didn't throw it away. Just let me start over. I, I, I can get it right. You moved. That's what happened. It's just like sitting in the barber chair. Don't move. <laughs> you know, and so he's saying, uh, I'll, get it, I'll get it right. Quit moving. Just trust my hands. Trust where you are. Trust that you're with me today. So there's got to be some things if we're going to see some of the miraculous. You know, just think if nobody was ever sick, well, there wouldn't have been no healings. Uh, if nobody was ever blind and no blinded eyes open, if Lazarus hadn't died, we're not going to have that story. Woman with the issue of blood, not have that. What about the lepers? Noses falling off, skin falling off, fingers gone, things like that. And they come to Jesus Broke, outcast, nobody wants anything to do with them, unclean, can't go in the temple, can't come around people, nothing. And Jesus just laying his hands on them. And then their skin's coming back and their limbs are coming back and, and they're being restored just like they were before they were ever sick. But if, that, but if there's no lepers, we never have that story. We don't see what God can do. And so the Lord stood up in the temple and read from Isaiah one day and he said, and today... This scripture is fulfilled in your ears. It's, it's happening among you right now. And this is what he said, what he read from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. God's ordained something here. He said, and it'll work. He said, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all 
that mourn. There's nothing going on that's, that, that, can't, that he can't comfort. He is the God of all comfort. He said, then appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Let me tell you, that, that beauty for ashes. But if nothing is ever reduced to ashes, you got nothing to exchange. You know, uh, but God said, these things look like they've just been destroyed and, and, and left for ashes in your life. He said, I can turn it around. I can give you beauty for ashes. And then uh, the oil of joy. Well, sometimes we think in that season of mourning that we'll never have joy again, but uh, that's only if we mess up the path that God's got us walking. Because he said, I'll give you the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I do it so you might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. He said, I'm doing it uh, so people will know that there is a God, that I can do what I said I will do. And that's the thing. We've got to trust God with the path that he's put us on because there ain't nothing that he can't fix. In Joseph's life, maybe he thought, maybe he, at night, you know, even though he's living in the palace, he's married now, he's got two children, and maybe you know, he knows that. He, maybe he just lays there and thinks about his past sometimes. Maybe he remembers his father. He remembers that coat of many colors. He remembers a much simpler life, and I'm sure that he would uh, mourn that life and regret that life. And then sometimes, I'm sure over the years, that it was possible that just that little twinge of bitterness began to just, ooh, inside of him. Uh, because of what his brothers did. And, he, and, and maybe there were times where he battled hatred against them. And if I could just get them, oh, I would. But God was going to test him and see how have these 13 years, Joseph, how have they changed you? Have they changed you for better or have they changed you for worse? And it wasn't immediately when the famine started that his brothers came Joseph was already putting things into action. It was actually, I think, a couple of years into the famine before his family uh, arrives there. So Joseph is beginning to look and realize God's got me here for a reason because people are surviving this famine because of the wisdom God has given me to institute these plans and, and this harvesting and the things we're doing. And, and so I... He began to realize, and I think he realized long before he saw his brothers that God had put him on this path because that day they showed up. They didn't know him, but he knew them, and he had the power right there to have them executed, take them and throw them in the dungeon. Get rid of so he tests them. I'm going to see who they are. He accuses them of being spies, and they're like, oh, we're not spies. We're just all from one, one man. We're, we're brothers of one uh, man and we're here because we need food and, and our youngest brother he's still at home and, and no we're really not spies we're just here to get some to buy some bread money you know, get something for us so we don't starve to death and, and he said I still think you're spies he said, well, I'll, tell you, he said I'll tell you what I'm keeping Simeon I'm going to lock him up you're going to go home and you don't come back unless you bring that baby brother with you Oh, we can't do that. His life's tied up in the life of our father. Our father will die if we bring. He said, well, that's the only way you're coming back if you come back with him. So they go home. And now Jacob is upset because now I've lost another son because of you guys. And he's, he's gone away. And, and now you want to take Benjamin. And so they don't go right back. But after a while, they do go back. And when they come back the second time, and Joseph realizes 
okay, maybe these guys have changed. Maybe this, that 13 years, the path they walked of regret. Look what we did to our brother. How could we have done this to our brother? Because when Joseph says, I'm going to keep Benjamin as a slave, they start ripping their clothes, throwing dust on their head, and, and, and Jacob's like, just take me, take me, don't do that. Now, they so easily sold Joseph away, but now they would rather see anything happen than to lose another brother, and, and Joseph realized they have changed. But, but God wasn't just testing those brothers. He was also testing Joseph. How are you going to react, Joseph, about your past? Are you going to lock them up because of what they did to you in your past? They was mean to you, Joseph. They, they hurt you. They betrayed you. They, they, they did all these things. They were awful to you. Are you going to take it out on them or are you going to forgive it? Because that will make the difference between something beautiful here and a tragedy. Joseph forgave them. And he said, because I have realized something, brother. You didn't send me here. God did. And you thought evil because of the jealousies and the things, but, but God intended it for good to save many people alive. God put me on this path. He didn't tell me anything about it. I was, a, I was as surprised every day as I could be with the next step that God had me on this road. But I realized here at the end, this is what God was doing. He was doing all these things so he could use me, use my life, use my story to help somebody else, to change somebody else's life. And that's what, what God will do. Uh, but uh, he'll test you. Are you really changed? When you come to God and, and God begins working in your life and, and some old character from your past pops up, somebody that hurts you or wounded you, how do you react? Because the Bible tells me don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Ain't nothing. Uh, I had a friend of mine one time, he said, the best way to get rid of an enemy is to make a friend of him. A soft answer turns away wrath. There's so many things that you can do, so many choices you can make instead of reacting in a negative fashion. Instead of doing something that will only hurt your walk. You, know, you, you may think, well, I got them, and then you feel awful about it. And then the next time you're in church, you got your head all down. I don't even feel like I can lift my hands and because of what I did, you know what? So don't do that. So you don't have to pray back through and, and overcome it again. Remember what God is doing. He, he's doing this, all these things in your life. God knows where you're walking. He ordered your steps. He's not surprised that you find yourself on the edge of a fiery furnace. He's not surprised if you find yourself in a pit betrayed by somebody because God ordered that. That's why, man, this scripture, if there's any scripture that proves out uh, in the scriptures um, in Joseph's life, it is what Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for good. Amen. How can you throw them in this pit work for good? Because that's going to get you to Egypt. How can getting to Egypt do any good? Because that's going to get you to Potiphar's house. Well, how's that going to help? Because that's going to get you thrown in the dungeon. Oh, Great. Well, I just, I'm just on pins and needles. God, how's that going to work out? That's going to get you to the palace. Now, what? Hold on now. Hold on. What? 
Yeah, you don't know. See, I, look, I wasn't born into this. I'm not royalty. There's no way I'm going to be second in command. That's why I didn't tell you all that because I knew if I told you that at the beginning, you'd blow this up. So I just asked you to trust me and walk and see what I can do with a life that's getting hit and kicked and stomped and busted and broke all the way simply for me to turn it into something beautiful to bring Israel into a place where they'll be saved alive and, 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 and where they'll grow and multiply and become a great nation. All this, Joseph, because you just kept walking the path that I had for you. What, listen, what God has done and what he has, is doing in your life, it's good. Use it. You hear me? That's, if Joseph could tell us someday, he said he would tell you whatever God has done, Whatever he's doing right now, it's good because all things work together for good. God is good all the time. And uh, there's one good, that's God. So I overcome evil with good or I overcome evil with God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to give in to my flesh and to my emotions and, and lash out at people. God has done this work. And sometimes the work that God does in your life, it's going to agitate the fire out of people because they can't stand that you done got holy. <laughs> they can't stand that you, oh, you, you one of them holy rollers, one of them goody goodies, one of them Bible thumpers. You know, you call me what you want to. But when the trumpet sounds, you can call me gone because I'm out of him. I, I'm walking with him. I'm going with him. But whatever God is doing in your life right now, is, and that, that's why Paul said, but, well, I can, that's why I just, I take pleasure in infirmities. These things, because I know, hey, whenever infirmity shows up, there's a blessing not far behind. Whenever something evil pops up, there's something beautiful right behind it. It's coming because beauty for ashes, all the joy for more. God, he knew, oh, that, I, I got stoned. There's something else coming. I'm talking about got hit with rocks. He, uh, make, sure we, make sure we clarify. People say, oh, Paul got stoned. I'm going to get stoned. <laughs> and what I'm talking about, they was hitting him with rocks. He said, well, that hurt. But God's going to ease that pain through my testimony. That's why we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. In Ezekiel, I know I'm getting close to my time, Ezekiel, Oh, I got to quit saying favorite passages because I say that a lot. But it is, I preach from it a lot. I think on it a lot. Ezekiel 36, this is what the Lord said in verse 33. He said, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquity, I will also cause you to dwell in cities, and the waste shall be built. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. Anybody, that, I, I, and I'm, I want you to think about your life in the context of these scriptures because that's what he's talking about is his people. Everybody who saw you says there's nothing there. They've done too much. They've done too wrong. It's, you know, they've, they've just really messed their life up. They, they'd just be better off dead. He said, and that's what everybody that passed by said. And they shall say, when God gets it, 
This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden and the waste, desolate, and ruined cities are become fenced and they're inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and I plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Let me tell you, he said the land's going to get tilled. You ever watch the tiller going across the ground? Chewing it up, breaking it up. God starts tilling in your life. Woo! But he said, but this is, you're going through this because I'm about to plant something beautiful. There's about to be some beauty for ashes coming up in your life. There's going to be a story. And said, and I'm doing it so that everybody that comes around, so everybody that's left around you will know that you didn't do this on your own. But I did it, that the Lord did it, that I, the Lord, that I build the waste places, that I can change lives, that I can fix what was broken, I can fix what was busted up. I can use those that everybody else has just kicked to the curb. Ain't nobody better at repurposing than God. That's a big thing today, you know, to repurpose. Hey, let's take a pallet and make a coffee table out of it. Let's get a pickle jar and make a lamp. You know, whatever. It's just if he was, hey, look how I spray paint it. Can't even see the take the label off of it. You don't even know. It's, that's a that's a beautiful lamp. What was it? It was a pickle jar, pickle pig feet jar. There you go. That's, get get us think of something nasty. So you think how, how so I take you know it, this was a it was a slop jar. That's what it was. You know, and, and and but man, we we washed it, cleaned it up, painted it. Flipped it over, put this on it, did it. Now it's a lamp. Look how pretty it is. Repurposed. You could have just bought a lamp for what you spent trying to repurpose it. But, 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 uh, but you know, it's, it's not that. It's the fact of taking something that would have been trash and making something out of it. And well, God will take people. The Bible says he, he, he calls us out of the dust and he gets us from the dung hill. The, the, and, and he sets us in the palace, puts us among princes. Yes, sir. God knows how to take. He gets the most unlikely candidates and, and, and turns us into a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. Yeah, that's what God will do. And, and so you, you, you're sitting there thinking, oh, in your own thoughts, in your own head, and you're like, I'm never going to be able to write this. I'm never going to be able to fix this. And God already knows you can't. So he's telling you, just give it to me. Just hand it over. And if you'll do that, my plans are greater than your plans. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are past finding out. Listen, I've got a plan for your life. And you can get hung up trying to get people back, or you can just let God let the plan unfold. Joseph could have got hung up saying, I'm going to get them boys for what they did to me. But instead, he just went on about what God called him to do, to save much people alive. Woo! God can do it. God can do it. After the brothers and Jacob, after their father dies, the brothers get scared. They said, well, now that dad's dead, he's going to get us. And they come to him and they're like, oh, hey, behold, we are your servants. And he starts crying over it. He broke down in tears. He said, don't be afraid. He said, am I in the place of God? Genesis 50, 19 21, through 21. He said, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good 
to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He said, don't be afraid. I will nourish you and your little ones. I'm going to take what God did and I'm going to bless people with it. Oh, bless people with your story. Give it to God. You know, you could take a, and you can stand with me. Uh, you could, you got a, 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 a vase, something that's nice, big vase, and it drops and breaks. And, I mean, there's just sharp, jagged pieces everywhere. You, know, you, you scoop it up. You think, oh, you just pull it close, trying to hold it, you know, and it's just, it's hurting you, it's jabbing you, it's cutting you, and it ain't getting back together. You're just holding a mess. But you know, you can give it to somebody who knows what they're doing. They can put it back together. You ever seen those people that take that, those broken dishes and bowls and vases and they put that line of gold in them and they put them all back together? And there's a process, I don't know what it's called, but I've seen it done. But that's the way God is. That's why Job said, you know, when, when he's done with me, I'll be like gold. But as long as we keep hanging on to all that broke up life, it's just going to keep hurting. He said, well, I got all the pieces. Yeah, but they're, ever, they're, they're not together. It's, it's, it's useless. It's no good. But if you give it to the master, if you'll give it to the savior, if you'll give it to the healer, if you'll give it to the deliverer, well, I'll tell you, God will make something beautiful out of what was broken. Maybe you feel like you've been holding on to some pieces. I still got my mouth. I can still say praise the Lord, but can't do nothing else because I'm still holding this stuff. I wonder now if we would right here to end as we get ready to pray and, and be dismissed in a moment. If we just, as a symbolic gesture, just lift our hands. Say, Lord, I'm not holding on to any pieces. You know what my life has been and you know where my life is going. But Lord, you see me with hands lifted. I'm not holding on. And make a decision right now. I'm not holding on to any more of the brokenness. I'm not holding on to any more of the hurt, the heartache, the betrayal. Today, I'm letting it go. And God, I know you'll make something beautiful. Something beautiful. Hallelujah.